there's no question that Zipline is going to be the first company to get to a billion autonomous flight hours. And the data and experience that you get from that, as well as all that time to mature those systems and make them rock solid, you know, we're building the best autonomy platform for the future of flight. And I'm excited down the road to find a way to bring that to things like flying cars. Welcome to the future of a podcast by Fresh Consulting, where we discuss and learn about the future of different industries, markets, and technology verticals. Together, we'll chat with leaders and experts in the field and discuss how we can shape the future human experience. I'm your host, Jeff Dance. In this episode of The Future Of, we're joined by Keenan Weirebeck, co-founder and CTO of Zipline, to explore the future of drone delivery. Great to be with you. Thanks for joining us, Keenan. Your background's really impressive. I noted that you started your career in robotics in the early 2000s after leaving Stanford's Doctorate of Philosophy program. And then you got involved with Ross. Tell us more about your involvement with Ross. So technically, I didn't finish my PhD. So my PhD was starting Ross, and we tried to fund it at Stanford. And when we finally met the guy who funded Ross Development, he's like, I will fund this for you, but you have to leave Stanford. And so it was one of those things where my advisor and my parents, when I was one year away from a PhD, they're like, you're going to do what now? <laughs> well, great decision. <laughs> and so I moved on and grew it from scratch at that point. It was, it's been a yeah, wild seven years after that. It's amazing how much Ross has grown. I mean, obviously we have dozens of people here at Fresh that work on it, but you know, last year, 500 million downloads. I mean, it's such a major backbone of robotics and everything that you know, Ross 2 now is, has become. Do you guys use Ross with Zipline? Is that like a core backbone of an extension of what you started? We do use it, not as much as I would like to. And I think that if Ross 2 had come along earlier, we were using Ross a lot more. But for the reasons Ross 2 existed, we had to develop something different at the, uh, before Ross 2 came along. Well, in 2014, you founded Zipline, as I understand it, the world's largest autonomous delivery system, valued at $4.2 billion. That's uh, pretty significant for a company. That's uh, puts you among you know some of the great founders of the world, pretty significant. Tell us a bit more. Yes, yeah, as, as far as I know, by the way, I think as far as we know, it's, this is the biggest autonomous system, delivery aside. Pretty exciting. We fly today the equivalent of four times the equator of the Earth in distance every single day. Wow. Having been involved in some drone aspects, a lot of robotics projects, that's a really significant feat. You know, Fresh, we developed one of the largest autonomous platforms for industrial vehicles, but and drones were like early stage, it seemed like, you know, years ago, but there was so much promise. And so, Fast forwarding to today and, and looking at Zipline as sort of their world leadership, it's great to be talking to you. Tell us a bit more about Zipline. As I understand it, you know, some of the earliest missions were kind of blood and vaccine delivery. Uh, tell us more about, you know, who you guys partner with today. So we have operations in seven countries today. And most of those are national scale now in terms of scale, which is really exciting. The So yeah, we got our start in blood and blood delivery. And you know, it's coming not coming from logistics personally, this was as a product sort of person and an robotics person is like, okay, blood, short shelf life, always rare, there's never enough blood. And so if you can hold it back and deliver it where you know you need it, rather than having to guesstimate and having a lot of blood expire on the shelf where it's used, you could really have a big impact. It was only really once we started using it for that use case, all these other use cases in healthcare, in consumer goods delivery, 
in you know, hot food and good food delivery have just come out of the woodwork. And so today around the world, we do a lot of things in healthcare, everything from blood to vaccines to pharmaceuticals, delivering to hospitals and clinics and patient homes. And then we do all kinds of things adjacent to that. Animal health is a big thing for us in a lot of places in the world. We do food delivery, consumer goods delivery. And uh, you know what's really exciting about Zipline is not only we, you know, compared to someone driving on the road, we're just much faster, right? We don't get stuck in traffic and we fly faster, right? Big wins. And the environmental impact is just phenomenally improved, right? We're talking about a 97% reduction, right? There's very few things you can do where you take the status quo and replace it with something that only has 7%, the 3%, the environmental impact. That's the tech for good aspect of the company. Oh, absolutely. Amazing. You know, when you have like life-saving things like blood and people understand the importance of that, you can cut through some red tape and, and some of the unknown in the name of that and get going. And then on top of that success, I can just see how obviously the, all the benefits and the use cases are there, but it's kind of cool that you started, you know, that imperative backbone, which no one can argue with. Like, hey, you know, getting medicine, getting, you know, the life-saving aspects via drones, it's a great strategy. Yeah, absolutely. Starting where the value is in every sense of the word. If you're doing some brand new tech, which of course is always harder, more expensive and things like that in the early days than you want it to be. If you're doing something that people really freaking value, it'll just, you're going to get through it in a way this, like you said, the road gets plowed for you. Nice. Tell us why you started Zipline at the beginning. Obviously, any founder story uh, components that you want to share? Yeah, absolutely. You know, after Ross, I spent a couple of years exploring a lot of different options. We really wanted to find something that thought would have a big impact like Ross did and also could really scale. And with Ross had already scaled that point in time way beyond my dreams. I still remember when we first pitched Ross is like, it'll be the Linux of robotics. And people were like, get out of here. <laughs> and all of a sudden it was happening. And I knew that we couldn't rush. It takes a while to find something special, right? And my co-founders and I, who ended up being my co-founders, we all have family in public health. My wife's an epidemiologist. And it was really on their encouragement of like, hey, go look into these health campaigns that just get stuck on logistics. You know, at this point in time, Amazon had already talked about drones for delivery a few years before that. And it was kind of like, all right, let's go dig into this. And, you know, I'm a skeptic. So I went out to dig into it, assuming I'm going to find a thousand reasons why we could not make an impact here. But the opposite happened. It was more the farther we got into it, the more it was like, oh yeah, we can definitely solve this problem. And I, I remember one catalyzing moment for me was visiting this warehouse, a medical supply warehouse and outside the warehouse, there was like two football fields of medical supplies just in boxes, just two stories high. Kept asking, what is that? Why is this outside? And then no one wanted to answer. And eventually found out this was all expired medicine. And it was like, all right, the medical supplies are there. The need is there. If we can just get these things from point A to point B, we can have a huge impact. And that's what we decided to go for it. That's awesome. You mentioned around the world, like how many continents, how many countries, like how many drones? Tell us, give us some more numbers. So we're in Africa and a handful of countries today. We are in Japan and we're in Arkansas and Utah here in the U.S. today. So all over the world. And you mentioned that sad about flying flight miles. So are there hundreds of drones kind of out delivering essentially on the daily? All the time. We have this awesome view in a, our atrium when you walk in the front door of our office where there's an animation that sh at any given time, the number of drones in that animation flying around the animation are the number of drones we have in the air. And it's, it looks like a just giant cloud of drones. It's really quite impressive. And I think this also is like 
ties into the stuff that we get really passionate about around, you know, when you're, when you're operating a scale like this, what matters, right? And one of the things that matters most to us is that these drones not only are reliable, you can count on that this, these deliveries, but you just don't notice them. I like think about it, it's like right now, you know, probably where you're sitting and where I'm sitting, there's birds flying over our us right now and we just don't know. <laughs> and that's what we want drones to be like. They're invisible in a sense. I mean, you might see them, but they're they're just doing their job. Yeah. Who plans the missions and kind of and does all the routing and stuff like that? I'm assuming you guys can help things get set up. Is there like a, a new job type that's emerged as a result of everything that's happening? Oh, absolutely. There's We have a team at Zipline, and that's what they do. Uh, as For every, every new delivery site that comes on, they help place get onboarded, and they bring them into our network. Now, once they do that, it's fully autonomous. So like when our drones are flying, they go do their missions automatically. And the only oversight we provide is at the fleet level, right? We might close an area. And the, once we do close an area, if we need to, for some reason, you know, the, the zips themselves automatically clear that area. But yeah, there's the technology, right? Our customers, they care about how seamless this is, right? And so the technology just needs to melt into the background. And Another area of that part of that technology is how do you bring on a new hospital, a new clinic, a new home delivery site in a way that's just easy for anybody to interact with. You mentioned, you know, a couple of states here in the U.S. and then, you know, Africa and Japan. And are you finding that, this is my assumption, but a lot less regulation in other countries to... No, no. I think that, you know, everywhere we operate, it's on a special approval. There's no country in the world that's like, hey, if you follow these rules, you can do this. And so everywhere we go, there's been, a, you know, an involved process, at least months, if not close to a year of going through the certification process to get the approvals to do what we do and work through all the airspace integration details with the regulator. And yeah, and so, you know, some regulators are faster than others. It's been sort of a philosophy of Zipline to not bet the company on any one regulator. So that's one of the reasons we work in so many places is to make sure we manage that risk. But, you know, it's this again comes back to now that we're operating, the value is so apparent, right? We have, there's all these studies and other things that have really come out to show what this does, that now it's no longer like, is it important? Is this an experiment? Is this some kind of pilot? It's like, no, no, no. Lots of countries really want it. And so there's a lot of political pressure in a lot of countries to find the right solution from the regulatory perspective, which is great, including here, which is moving along, you know, at a great clip. As the biggest company in this space, what makes Zipline unique? You know, is it the hardware? Is it the software? Is it the way you brought the whole service ecosystem together and how you, people get set up? Like, you know, tell us more about the, the special sauce because there's been, what, like, you know, dozens, if not hundreds of companies in this space. So there's really two answers to that question. There's sort of, there's a technology answer to that question. We, we have built a phenomenal technology stack that just works, right? And, and a lot of things that most people don't even assume we have to build, right? We, we built our own AI-based, we call it now casting. It's weather forecasting for right in front of the drones. There's one very particular weather condition that happens almost never that we can't fly through, which is the formation of a thunderhead. It's about one minute long updraft. And now we forecast those, so we so we avoid them. And so there's little pieces. That's one of many puzzle pieces of the technology stack that make this work at scale. But really, I'd say the honest answer to that is really comes down to the, the team and the culture at Zipline. This is a extraordinarily you know, customer-obsessed place. And every one of our technical decisions, you know, we measure our technical decisions of like, hey, did we make this decision in the context of what customers really care about? And if not, we've got to get out and spend more time with customers, understand them more deeply so we can make the right decisions. And that's helped us move really fast. It's helped us create the right product. <laughs> yeah, I can say that with confidence. I recently looked back at our original product spec draft from the early days and like how wrong that was once we went through that journey of really deeply understanding these, our customers and working with them. 
And this was true of our first platform, right? The platform we operate at scale today, which is a fixed wing platform that goes right from a metro area and serves the overall countryside. You know, the details of its range and payload and things like that, it's really easy to get those wrong and have your economics be upside down, right? Uh, it's true of this new platform that we're launching soon, which is focused on serving in metro areas. Same thing, work deeply with customers from the very beginning to get you know, analyzing their data and really testing with those customers to make sure all of our assumptions about what mattered and how it would integrate and all those practicalities that it can bite you if you get a, if you get the wrong assumption, get those assumptions right, basically. I think that's an honest answer to Zipline is we're very good at that. You know, we're very good at that and how to bring that into a complex technology development. Because I think it's easy to do this wrong, right? It's easy to kind of complex technology, you have to make the right decisions at the right time, otherwise you never ship. And so it's very easy to, to kind of get jerked around by your customers and, and get lost in the wind and never ship. And I think we do both of those things really well. Nice. There's so many like POCs and the robotics in the drone space where they're testing things. But do you run in a business where you're actually, you know, flying hundreds of drones every day and getting stuff done? You know, that that's significant and awesome. You'd mentioned, you know, there's different types of drones. And I understand you have kind of two different drone delivery products. Can you tell us more about that? Absolutely. So long range platform, that's what we've been operating for years now, goes from a metro, right? We typically are in the outskirts of a metro area and serves cities and towns in the outside that metro area. And this is a fixed wing platform. So it looks like a large RC plane. It flies out to a delivery site where it drops the package. And the package is like the size of a cake box with a little paper parachute on it. And that floats to the ground for delivery. So they're parachuting. Exactly. Yeah. Micro parachutes. Micro parachutes, yeah. And then that drone flies back and gets the next delivery. There is no better way to do on-demand long-range delivery. It is incredibly fast. It's economical. It, there's just nothing that comes close to competing, any other drones, let alone any other technology. So it's really powerful. But it takes some space to deliver. And as you can imagine, we drop a package with a little parachute. And our customers are asking us for years of, can you deliver to more homes in, can you, do, can you deliver more sites in metro areas as opposed to outside of metro areas? And that's really where Platform 2 came from, was saying, you know, to do that, right, you have to be really precise, right? A lot of, you got to be able to deliver to a small porch or to a communal area, apartment building, or, you know, various tight spaces if you want to deliver to everyone in, in a metro. And we also, our platform one system, this long range system, it's nearly silent. You don't know to hear it delivering. And over time, as we've done this, and we've watched other people sort of pilot drone delivery, it's become really clear that having a drone delivery system no one notices is just, that's the future we want to live in. And you know, one of the big challenges for Platform 2 is could we actually get that precision? Is there a way to deliver precisely without making any noise? And that's where Platform 2 was born from. Platform 2, when it comes to make a delivery, it, it hovers way up high, you know, about as high up as a football field is long. And then it lowers this little sort of baby drone, or we call it a droid, uh, down to the ground by a string. That droid can navigate you know, if there's any winds, it'll keep tracking real precisely, put that package down, you know, even on a little table, whatever you have available, and then tracked all in a matter of seconds and quietly. And so that's what Platform 2 is. So that, that really enables us to deliver to, you know, the vast, vast majority of addresses. You'd mentioned a couple of states. Tell me about, you know, some of the things you're doing in the U.S. In the U.S., we have healthcare applications, very similar to what we do around the world, as well as consumer goods deliveries. And yeah, it's, it's going great. It's platform one, right? This with this parachute package and a little package with a parachute on it was developed for delivering to hospitals and clinics originally. I was skeptical of like, you know, if we start using that for home delivery, people love it. 
and wildly exceeded my expectations for just how accepted it is and how quickly people in their homes adopt it and then find it boring like two days later and then just order every single day with it. You're kind of like, wow, okay, this is great. It's going incredibly well. You know, our operations in the U.S. are still relatively limited as we through a few more regulatory steps, but scale in the U.S. is coming. Is there a designated location for the residential delivery? Is it like, hey, a drop here? Or is there like, hey, there's a specific post that you're you know, dropping something in, like an air mailbox or something like that? Yeah. So we, well, we do call it a mailbox. It's just a spot in your backyard. Interesting. Great. Thanks so much for kind of the backdrop of, of Zipline. Sounds like such an exciting company that, that you started and are leading. And it seems like you guys are just at the very beginning at the same time, which is why we're here to really talk about the future. Before we kind of get fully into the future, tell us a bit more about the present. You've told us more about Zipline. What about the, you know, the current state of the industry? Is there a lot of investment coming in this area? Like, uh, is there a lot of competitors? What does the industry look like? It obviously sort of depends sort of what you're looking at. And I think for us, you know, we're really excited that we, most on-demand deliveries today are, you know, someone hopping in their car, 3,000 pound vehicle driving, you know, bag of something to somebody. And it's just crazy. The economics are awful. It's usually late. It's very unpredictable. And of course, the environmental impact is just kind of a, you know, silly, right? So we joke at Zipline, it's like, you know, if aliens come and visit and they look at what we're doing, they're going to be like, you do what? How? Like, that seems crazy to us, you know? And so we're just really excited to displace that, right? That we just, and make it just so much better for environmental impact, but and just that customer experience of actually being on time and really predictable and so much faster. You know, so we think a lot about that, that broader on-demand world, because that's really what we compete with. You know, there's, there are there other startups working with drone delivery, sure. But it's just not on the radar, right? Our focus is really, uh, we have a massive backlog of customers and customers we're scaling with today. And the goal is to really create the best experience for them and scale into their needs, you know, as practically as we, fast as we practically can. What about, uh, you know, as this scales, have you guys thought about, you know, the conflicts of, you know, drones and hitting drones or navigating the, the skies silently, you know, like, but have you guys done a lot of thinking through that? Yeah, absolutely. In terms of integrating with other aircraft in the sky, you know, passenger aircraft, this has been something that we've been working on for years at Zipline. The, we just shipped our solution to what we think of as the holy grail problem in integrating drones in the airspace, which is a solution where you have sensors on board our drone that can sense other aircraft and maintain separation from those aircraft. And this is something that a lot of companies have tried with, you know, they try with cameras and you just can't get the range. You really need to see out, you know, thousands of feet in order to maintain separation with those aircraft. There's all kinds of other problems with cameras and, and radar that really were dead ends. We explored these things too. And the system we that we shipped is actually an acoustic system. So it's literally a system with a, a microphone array on the aircraft that is listening to uh, and listening for where aircraft are, to maintain separation of those aircraft. And this is really exciting. It was one of those things that Pun intended, it sounds really cool. <laughs> it was quite difficult to solve some of the long tail challenges there. Once we got through them, yeah, it's just an incredibly great solution because you need to, so you need to sense all around you, right? Think of it as drones don't have a right of way, right? In sailing or in a, flying a little two-seater aircraft, right? You have right of way. If you, someone's coming up behind you, it's their job not to hit you, but drones don't have that right of way. So we need to sense all around us and, and get out of the way. But Basically, which means you got to sense really far in three to 60 degree sphere. That's where microphones are basically, as far as I'm concerned, like the only, let alone the best solution to doing that. So we're incredibly excited to have that, that in production now. That's amazing. That seems uh, really game changing. Are there any other recent developments that you're really excited about as you think about the, the industry and kind of the opportunity? 
I'll be honest, what I'm most excited about is less the technology and more just like now that we've shown that it works at scale and that it's boring for people and they count on it every day. Like that's exciting to me. You know, I, I'm one of those people where I had a stick phone for years after my friends had smartphones because I, I like things that just freaking work. And, you know, and I think drone delivery has gone from like five years ago, it was like, is this something that we, people want to people really want it to now we know how to scale it and people can count on it, you know, all day, day and night in the weather. And yeah, and now it's a question of like, okay, how do we bring this to everybody who could possibly benefit from it? Great. As you work towards that scale, what are some of the things in your roadmap now that are important to the next 10x growth? Because the, the, it sounds like the market is there. The market is ready for that. There's a really cool example of a technology that's coming along really nicely. It's applied around this Platform 2 delivery experience. So Platform 2 has the zip or the drone, we call it the zip, that stays way up high, lowers the little droid down, and the droid has some fans on it and its own perception system uh, that lowers down to the ground. And that droid can be really precise, like a couple of inches precise. But as you can imagine, like, you know, a pin on a phone, right? The way you call an Uber, right? Put a pin down on, on a map is nowhere near a couple of inches of precise, right? So if you're in an urban area and you want this delivered to your back porch, pin on a map isn't going to, isn't it precise enough for us to find that back porch? And so there's a really exciting AI-based perception stack that we've been developing for that droid to be able to find that perfect delivery site every time, which is just starting to work really well as we get closer to launching this product, which I'm very excited about. Very cool. Uh, what about uh, weight restrictions? Like, you know, what sort of parameters can you work with from a weight perspective? Our platform, it depends on range and things, but basically think about, you know, eight to 10 pounds uh, is what we can deliver. Which is a lot of the you know stuff you get delivered at home. Oh yeah, the, oh the vast majority, right? You know, Amazon gave a statistic a few years back that like eighty five percent of their packages were five pounds or less. And so, what's really exciting is that we did a big analysis on this with our customers. But the, what people get on demand, what people need in a hurry, it's rarely a refrigerator. <laughs> it's more often not. It's a it's a little thing. Medicine and the little things that we order every day. One time, I was talking to uh, my wife Kari, and I was like. You know, let's try pausing like the Amazon deliveries just because we're, we're ordering so much stuff, you know, and I was like, let's just try pausing. And so we stopped. And but then the packages kept coming like for the next three or four days because we'd ordered stuff prior to that, you know, so we didn't see it for a little while and it didn't last very long. Uh, but we got used to this way of ordering things. And recently, obviously, with how we get food. And so it's really this seems like a game changing future. You know, Gartner predicted that by 2026, we'd have more than 1 million drones carrying out retail deliveries. I'm curious, from your perspective, do you think that's an accurate prediction? Yeah, that's the ballpark of the scale we're working towards right now. It's really exciting. It basically, but it also puts a big onus on this, right? Like, you know, when we all picture those kinds of numbers, right? Like we don't want to notice that many drones, right? And this is the challenge of creating delivery experience that works for everybody that's quiet enough that you don't notice it. I mentioned quiet because like we're just so used to, you know, drones sounding like these kind of insect swarms and stuff. And well, there's a reason that most the drones sound that way. It takes a lot of intentionality and, and sort of invention to get, to get a drone system to not sound like that. And that's just one of many challenges to creating that future. But yeah, that, we're really excited about that scale because the demand is absolutely there. You know, I think today, just today, right, you know, billions of deliveries in the U.S. are done on demand with people jumping in their cars. It's time to do it in a much better way. For Zipline, we noticed the goal of by 2025, the intent to operate more flights annually than almost all major U.S. airlines. Are you guys on pace for that? 
Yeah, absolutely. The countries that we're operating at national scale in today, we do that already. We fly more every day in terms of flights than all the other flights, let alone one airline, all the other flights in those countries combined. You know, this is part of the fun I have at Zipline is how do you build the autonomy systems and things that really enable that scale and the scale that's coming. And, you know, having having crossed that milestone you mentioned in other countries, we're really excited to get there here in the U.S. as well. So as we look to the future, you know, you can pick 10 or 20 years from now, but like, what do you see that looking like? Describe that sort of story or narrative for us. I like to think of it as, uh, you know, imagine that, you know, your local pharmacy, your favorite restaurant, anything that uh, around you that you need has this magical portal in the wall. And by the way, our system literally looks literally looks like a portal. There's a little a little door and outslides the droid into the building of pharmacy, and so they don't even have to go outside. They they load up their order and then it goes out the magic portal, and a few minutes later, it's delivered to your back porch. And having everything at your fingertips, right? I've got two little kids, and last night I ordered dinner because I didn't have time to cook, and of course it came 45 minutes late. It was cold. The kids were overtired, and the evening was rough. And you know that food being hot and on time, I can't wait, right? And need that pharmacy delivery, not having to go get that far worse another story for me a few weeks ago and i i definitely thought i had enough children's tylenol and i it was two in the morning and there was none left <laughs> and like drawing straws with my wife of who's going to go to the 24-hour pharmacy and get something to, to, to break the fever with our little one so having that magic portal in everything we count on and making available there's this great bakery that i've gotten to know i can't wait for them to have you know be able to send me bread in the morning you know right this way and just uh, that access. And that's on the personal side. On the professional side, this is the health that was where we started on the professional side of just, you know, if your job requires physical things, so doctors, obviously, um, you know, mechanics, construction, you know, I often use this construction example because we've all done our own version of construction projects at home. And it's like the number of times you got to run to the hardware store for that one thing you forgot, that little thing you forgot. The productivity win from having that stuff just come to you instantly is huge, is huge. And uh, excited to bring that to, to all industries. Amazing. Uh, tell us more about, you know, we've been talking a lot about AI. Lots happened this year with the generative AI movement. So it's just on everyone's minds. You know, how do you see AI sort of shaping the future of drones? I know you guys are using it now, uh, probably done a lot, but. Yeah, absolutely. So you know, we talked about that acoustic detect and avoid system for detecting and avoiding other aircraft. That microphone system uses AI. We talked about the precision delivery with Platform 2 using AI with the perception system to find that perfect spot for you delivery. There's a lot of really exciting unstructured problems like that in this space uh, where it's the right solution. It really speeds up the solution to really hard technical problems of certain classes. And it's been really, I think, you know, Zipline is a well-timed company in a lot of ways. And being able to leverage AI is one of those. There was a stat, about 88% fewer deaths from uh, postpartum hemorrhaging in the, you know, the hospitals that Zipline serves. That seems pretty incredible. You know, the biggest opportunities for drone delivery to, you know, save lives, improve lives. Any other thoughts uh, there? I know that's where you started, um, so I'm assuming. Well, even just to talk about health for a second, because it's there's this existential crisis that every country is facing right now, which is how do you increase the quality of healthcare while decreasing the cost, right? There's lots of new drugs and things that come out for certain diseases that increase quality of healthcare for those diseases, but increase cost. As a proud citizen of this country, United States, not so proud to say, you know, we spend more in dollars and in percentage of our GDP on healthcare than any other country in the world. And, you know, we can barely afford that. And so many other countries around the world just can't afford to scale their healthcare. And what's really exciting about on-demand delivery is in the healthcare space, 
not just for these acute situations, like, hey, patient needs blood right now, but it turns out if you want to increase quality of healthcare and reduce costs across the entire patient population, the way to do that is through preventative care. And the way to increase preventative care adherence is to make it more practical for more people closer to their home. You know, this is why we do delivery of certain drugs right to people's house, right? If you're a hypertension patient, you can have a long, healthy life if you stay on your medications and you go off for a few weeks, you can end up in the hospital. And for a lot of patients, just making sure that they get those drugs when they need them so they can stay on them, huge impact for them and for the healthcare system at large. So anyway, incredibly excited about that broad base, if you will. And this is stuff I did not understand when we got into Zipline at all, just how the dynamics of healthcare work. There's another great example here in the US. So we have a bunch of contracts with US health system partners like Intermountain Health in Utah, coming later in Michigan Medicine in, in Michigan, and Michigan, and a bunch of others. And one of the common use cases there is these health systems are scaling up their home healthcare programs. These are traveling practitioners who come to people's homes Again, for certain patients, like if you're elderly or not driving or a disability, that kind of thing, it's better to treat you at home before waiting until you end up in a hospital and things like that, both quality of healthcare and for the cost of healthcare. And so what we'll be doing is literally delivering supplies to those practitioners while they're in the home, because they estimate that half the time they walk into the home, they see a need they didn't anticipate, you know, when they went there. And that, again, that just like increases the, what they can do, the power of these healthcare providers. So yeah, I could talk all day about healthcare because it's so exciting, all these impacts that this kind of technology has. And one metaphor that I think extrapolates from healthcare into other industries is getting people what they need uh, for a job they already know how to do is really easy, right? It's not like you're retraining someone on how to be an automotive mechanic. It's like, to just get them the part they need. Right? They already know what to do. And so in some ways, it's like broad-based empowering and really easy to adopt. That's a powerful economic factor. What about vertical takeoff and landing vehicles, which you could call like big drones? Some of the technology you're describing, the AI around the acoustics to kind of recognize, you know, other things in the air, you know, all the innovation we've seen there. Do you have any perspectives on that feature since it's so related? You know, like the idea of having taxis in the air and moving people around. I think this is going to be a big part of Zipline's future. You know, not anytime too soon, because we're very focused on unlocking our ability to scale. But there's no question that Zipline is going to be the first company to get to a billion autonomous flight hours. And the data and experience that you get from that, as well as all that time to mature those systems and make them rock solid, you know, we're building the best autonomy platform for the future of flight. And I'm excited down the road to find a way to bring that to things like flying cars. Amazing. I didn't realize you guys had that in your roadmap, but that, that that's exciting to hear. I think the analogy is obviously Tesla, foray and electric vehicles and everything that people don't see behind the scenes from a data and logistics and AI perspective that's going to continue to help them be successful and makes it hard to kind of catch up. There's uh, safety measures, you know, Zipline also takes that that are impressive. Do you think, you know, is that something that given your industry leadership, do you think that how do we scale that so it goes beyond just, you know, a company as we think about, you know, the, the good that this can have? How are you guys thinking about the industry and the interconnectedness that you might have with others that are in the air? That's a great question. So in terms of sharing the airspace, there's a lot of projects we have going on with regulators around the world, including here, as well as a bunch of other new industry participants in this autonomous flight space that we're working very actively with to design the, the future of the airspace and it scales safely. That's a really big deal. You know, safety in general is a big part of what we do, right? You know, we just hit 55 million autonomous miles flown, right? No material safety incidents at all, which is, it's born of a lot of hard work. And 
And yeah, I, I was meeting with this drone company, a little startup a few, a few months ago now, and they were asking for advice on this question and they were walking me through what they were doing. And, you know, I was a bit heartbreaking to kind of be like, hey, look, let me show you what it took for us to develop one of our safety features. So one safety feature of many, we have redundancy in the aircraft and all kinds of safety in our operations and elsewhere. But one key safety feature we have is a whole aircraft parachute. So it's a parachute for a whole plane, our whole drone, that like if we get caught in that, that really exceptional storm we can't handle or, or too many things go wrong, we'll still come down gently. The amount of engineering we put into that parachute system and the amount of you know budget, time, testing, supply chain maturation, all that stuff to make sure that parachute will always deploy was more than they had spent on all of their development. And they thought they were ready to fly over people. And I think this is something that I can relate to. When I first started Zipline, I did not have a full appreciation for what it takes to get to that level of safety and reliability and maturity. And something, you know, by the way, I share this with others because I hate to see other people make go through the, the learn, learning some things the hard way. But it is, it, you know, so it's, we like to teach where we can so others can, can sort of, well, get to safety faster because we just believe the, the whole industry has to be safe for even Zipline to be successful. And then, yeah, there's so many projects we're doing around how do we all safely share the airspace uh, with other autonomous operators, but also with existing uh, operators that are so critical, like our acoustic tech and avoid system. It's a great example. You know, other companies might impact a whole country's perception of what you're doing. So, you know, leading the way and showing the way from a safety perspective seems imperative to kind of getting the scale that, that we are all excited about. Do you see the uh, this parachute concept transferring over to the kind of vertical takeoff landing kind of, you know, mobility? Like, because it seems like if I was up in one of these things, I'd want a parachute, you know, if things weren't going well or I hit that air channel that you talked about. Yeah, you know, I think there's, it's really about layers of safety, right? Safety comes from layers of safety systems and you have to have many layers. And this is sort of, if you want, if you want to achieve very high levels of safety, you need many layers. And pair, the parachute is definitely the right solution for us. And, and to be clear, there's some general aviation aircraft, two-seaters that have whole airframe parachutes now, which have saved many lives. And, and so we're starting to see this happen more and more. And I think basically the answer is if a flying car is not going to have a parachute, it better have a lot of other layers of safety. To deal with the unknowns, right? I think this is this is the challenge of scaling something to massive scale is engineers in a room aren't going to think of all the things. So you need layers of sort of catch-all safety that will catch things that weren't explicitly thought of in order to have your overall safety be where you want it to be. And so I agree with you. If First flying car I'm, I'm ever going to get into, I'm going to be looking for that parachute. You know, as we think about the future of drone delivery, if we look back at technology, we've had a lot of technology that's like really, you know, changed our lives, our, our world, and, and sometimes we don't realize it because humans just don't adapt as fast. And I think if we could go back in time, we could say like, well, how do we design this with more intent and think about, you know, the good and the bad. Here we are at the forefront of the future of drone delivery. And it sounds like you've actually put a lot of intent and a lot of time into, you know, having an intentional future. And that's one of the reasons you guys are the, the world's leader. Any other thoughts as you think about designing with intent now, given that where this is going, given, you know, maybe there's unintended consequences, any other principles or thoughts about the future as we try to get this right? Because uh, what we've seen with technology is, you know, it can go both ways. There's two things that I live by. Well, a lot of people doing complex technology like this use the complexity of the technology as an excuse not to be obsessed with their customers in real product development sense. And so they kind of develop their technology and then later they're like, oh, I'll dial a few things in to make it a great product. And it's like that 
I fundamentally believe you got to be obsessed with customers from the very beginning, understand them deeply, spend real time with them, right? This isn't a survey or something like that. This is like lots of time in the field, trying to live their what they live uh, as much as you possibly can in order to just make sure that your intuition is really based on their reality. <laughs> so, so important. And so that's the first thing I live by. That I think if you do that, a lot of what looks, you know, suppressant from Zipline came from that, right? And the other is just make sure you're building a world you want to live in, right? Like design for that future you actually want. And when I first, you know, spent time with drones and heard these swarming buzzes and I was like, hey, is there a way to get rid of this? You know, we spent a lot of time trying to figure out how to do that because that was the world we wanted to live in. And so there's sometimes you can get ahead of your skis there and sort of over-design because you kind of, you're trying to do too much. Uh, if you're willing to challenge your assumptions and especially bring other people into your design process to kind of watch their reactions and things to, to figure out what really matters, you can get a really long way. And I still remember from our platform one days, very early days of like, hey, okay, we're going to fix wing is the only way to achieve the cost and range our customers wanted. That means we got to drop a package. And so I remember the first prototypes that you know went down at that time in Central America were hucking them over the fence to hospitals. And the first, you know, I remember looking at the doctor's faces and it was obvious from their expression of like, that's not going to work. And if we have, and then redesign, 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 eventually with the, he ended up going with this little parachute. And when they saw that, they were like, yeah, sweet, that works. You know, and I think there's, there's something about that very basic, you know, user-centered design, even in complex technology systems, it just gets you so far. Awesome. And thanks for that reminder. And, and for all of us are in the tech space and that are, you know, trying to build the future. Anything else as we contemplate the future drone delivery that you're really excited about that you want to share with the audience? I we're recently casting up with this family in Arkansas that we serve and, you know, just hearing them like literally saying things that sounded crazy to me, right? Things like, oh, I don't think I could move anywhere else until Zipline expands because I count on this every day. And you're kind of like, what? <laughs> you know, they're, they're saying this with a straight face. And it's just, you know, there's something uh, that, that when you when you really struck a nerve with somebody, they, there's something so powerful about that. And yeah, I'm just so, so excited for that to reach everybody and really transform all of our worlds in such a great way. So as you, you know, look for inspiration, you're obviously an inspirational leader yourself, a, a technology innovator that, you know, is working on the future that can change the world. Who else do you look for insights or where do you find your inspiration? Oh, great question. I mean, you know, on the mentorship side, I've had so many mentors. I mean, I can't literally too many to count and there's no way I, I would be here <laughs> if not for those mentors and there's no way Zipline would be here. There's so many, there's so many <laughs> less challenges in getting a startup to go and scale and stuff that the, if you're not learning as fast as you can from other people and their mistakes, it, I don't know how you'd get anywhere. So, you know, I'm incredibly appreciative to all of those folks, you know, from great teachers I've had all the way back to high school and before uh, to yeah, just great mentors along this journey back in the Ross days and, you know, and trying to figure out what I was going to do next days. And then, and now it's Zipline. Uh, but I'll be honest, when I really think about inspiration, it's really customers, right? Spending time with customers who are just like, when they light up, when you can feel how excited they are for you to solve a problem they have, that's really what gets me going and, and helps push through the, the hard parts of building a company, <laughs> which unfortunately are not few and far between. What really makes that fun is that you know you're solving a problem that someone else, you know, some real human you've gotten to meet is just over the moon excited about. That makes all that hard work or those late nights, you know, uh, worthwhile. But um, that leads me to my last question. You know, as, a, as someone who's leading, you know, a significant company in this space, the biggest, the hours of the day, I'm sure you'd like to clone yourself, as would I. But, you know, it's hard to keep up, especially when you mentioned a couple of kids. Uh, I heard the dog in the background, like, you know, we have lives too. So how do you balance? What's your recipe for thinking through, through balance with all those other obligations that are important to our lives? 
I mean, there's two ingredients. It's, for me, it starts with sacred protections of the stuff that matters to me on the personal side, right? So like helping put the kids to bed four nights a week. It's just something I do. I don't think about it. I don't ask, should I do it this week? It's important. It's just like unbreakable <laughs> rule. And I just do it, which also takes some of the stress off because people around me at Zipline know this too, right? And so, and, and being transparent about these kind of boundaries just helps a lot because uh, we all value, I'm not the only person who does this, Zipline, everybody does. And we encourage this. That's a big one. And the other piece is just, you know, you could just spend all your time hiring the world's best people because at the end of the day, like, you know, not sleeping a little bit does not, you know, scale <laughs> to company scale problems. Amazing teams do. Uh, teams of amazing people do. And yeah, that's still where all my time goes. Uh, the majority of my time goes. And it's just amazing when you put in that time and you see someone amazing join that the team and they just take on some thing that was, you know, keeping you up at night. And all of a sudden you don't have to worry about it anymore. And it goes on better than you could have expected. You could have done it yourself. That's the other key ingredient, that, <laughs> and then protect things, protect your, you know, the personal things that matter the most in a sacred way. And yeah, is it perfect? No, but it's, it's I, I, I'm happy. Keenan, it's been amazing uh, chatting with you and really excited about what you're doing with Zipline and your story and the future. Looking forward to watching what you accomplish and uh, being part of it as well. So thanks for being on the show. And Absolutely. It's great to talk to you as well, Jeff. It was a really wonderful conversation. Really appreciated your insights. Uh, thanks again. The Future of Podcast is brought to you by Fresh Consulting. To find out more about how we pair design and technology together to shape the future, visit us at freshconsulting.com. Make sure to search for The Future of an Apple Podcast, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or anywhere else podcasts are found. Make sure to click subscribe so you don't miss any of our future episodes. And on behalf of our team here at Fresh, thank you for listening.